listening to Two Button Crew. I'm Scott. Joining me, I have Simeon, Ryan, and Glenn. How's it going, guys? Good. It's going well. Good. All right. Glenn, you had a crazy idea for an episode, and we thought, let's not do it, but now we're doing it. So what is the idea? Wait, there was a point where we weren't going to do it? I don't remember anyone saying, let's not do it. Well, not out loud. (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so... This episode is three is the unlikeliest number. Which is why we had to have four hosts. Exactly. (laughs) Can't have three. Intentional. How do you think of this? It it was just me. This is something that I've actually, a trend I've noticed um, and I've been aware of for years. And it's kind of a joke I make. You know, a lot of people joke about Valve not being able to count to three, but if you pay attention, it's actually kind of a thing that's just a part of the game industry. The third game is the least likeliest to be made, uh, for whatever reason. We should have made a big list of examples. Oh wait, we did. And we will get to that, (laughs) but I thought it was kind of interesting to note that sequels in the video game industry generally go over better than a movie sequel does. Like, games are just pretty good at getting better each iteration. Whereas films, it seems like it's hard for studios to reach the first film's height so what's up with that why do video games get to be better i think that's because they can learn from what mechanics didn't work or weren't as popular with fans and improve on those and then still work on the story where movies it's basically they're trying to improve upon the story of the first one and a lot of times it just doesn't cut it okay uh yeah really movies are very different because the story is the the entire crux of the experience. Well, video games, we it, they're stereotyped as like story is just an afterthought in a lot of cases. A lot of people like to think of video games as media, like TV and movies and stuff, but that interactivity and the fact that it is a game with goals and objectives and like really does throw a wrench in that comparison. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's like more comparable to like different editions of D and D or whatever where they you know you just take what works and what uh get rid of what doesn't work and so you have that iterative approach and it's a lot easier because if you rehash the same movie twice everybody hates it if you give someone the same game but better they typically like it Mm -hmm. yeah interesting so let's get into some of these examples of third games that we never got. And Simeon, you might have something to say about the first one. Yeah, and the first one is, it's not that big of a deal to me. It comes as part of a package that is a big deal to me. And that's uh, Mega Man Legends 3, which is one that is you know kind of a famous example of the, the third that never was. I mean, it kind of was. Almost was. It almost yeah. was. Oh, and fact. before we continue, I, I feel like we should clarify something. We're not counting spinoffs. Right, right. These are direct sequels that we're talking so, about. So the Mega Man Legends subseries actually does have three games. Uh, Mega Man Legends 2 is the third one. There was a, uh, a spinoff game. Misadventures of the, Tron uh, Bond. Yeah, Misadventures of Tron Bond. Actually, there's also like a, a mobile phone game that was like a also an in-between it was released after two, but it was like supposed to be an interquel. Is that the word for it? Yes. Between oh. the first and the second game. I've never heard that before. That's cool. Interquel. <laughs> so yeah, Mega Man Legends three. It was it began development, and I do believe there was a demo, and I can't remember if the demo was ever released. It was not. Or it was not released, but they showed the demo like being played, and they're like, "We have the demo. Do you guys want to play it?" <laughs> and everybody's like, "Yeah!" And they're like, "Well, I guess nobody wants to play it, so we're canceling the project." I and, know. And and we're canceling, you know. Okay, this for the and... uh, for the record, since Simeon is typically known as the Meg Man guy, I'm the Meg Man Legends guy of the group. I am <laughs> a huge fan of the series. I, I much prefer it to any of the other, which, is, you know, I'm not putting them down by any means. Great games. I just prefer Mega Man Legends. Yeah, what basically happened was they said that they were going to release this demo and they were going to use the demo. And I think it was like a paid demo. So you, they actually would have made money off of this and said that they were going to use that as the metric, how, how well that succeeded 
to see determine whether or not to finish the you know Mega Man Legends 3. So Mega Man Legends 3 was never 100% confirmed, but the demo definitely was. And then right. they never released the demo. And they just said, "Nah, it's canceled." And there was a whole big stink about it because Capcom of Europe, one of the guys there, tweeted out and said that, basically said it was a shame more people didn't engage because they had this weird sort of, you get to decide what happens in this game thing. Uh, they called mm. it the dev room over on the Capcom forums. It was really interesting. And they uh, they basically said it's a shame more people didn't take an interest in this dev room thing and we had to cancel it. And they explicitly said they were not going to use dev room participation as a metric. <laughs> For consideration, and they now, did. They, they, they totally of course did. backheld and said that the guy wasn't talking about how they made the decision. There was a bunch of other stuff, and some people think it was because KG and the Fune left Capcom. And you know, in Japan, that's like a big deal or something. And the, I don't know. The video game industry can be kind of petty sometimes. But so is this true? Also, that fans were really involved in getting this game off the ground too. Like I thought, I remembered contests for characters, and people were able to vote on designs and stuff like that right the, the, uh, the, 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 the yeah the community was so involved in this project that it was heartbreaking when it got taken away and i wasn't interested in it personally but i just think this is one of the worst examples of how to do game development mm-hmm. well and, like, and the thing is we had been waiting for we make man legends fan I, I i should point out that i didn't get into the series until after it was over i think i got into it around 2004 and the last game was 2000 Mm-hmm. So I I'm not I I have not suffered as much as other fans. Uh, I should make that clear. But Mega Man Legends Two ended on a cliffhanger, right? And so they, there's just been this plot thread that's been hanging there for like gosh, like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years now. <laughs> that's so sad. And uh, like I said, for me, Mega Man Legends Three wasn't wasn't the big one that hit me it was uh, Maverick Hunter X and there there was one other game I can't remember exactly which game it was but there were three big games that were cancelled Maverick Hunter X we didn't find out until much later that it was cancelled it it looked great it looked fantastic I was really excited to play it I've heard some very mixed opinions on whether or not that game would have been good It, it it was looking pretty awesome like it had some of the same developers as the metroid prime series and it it looked it but it looked you know obviously very different in certain mechanics i was really excited for it i was super disappointed when they when they scrapped it or when i found out that they scrapped it i, I have different opinions now as far as the whole kg and afune involvement I have opinions on that but we're not here to talk about kg and afune we're not here to mm-hmm. talk about Mighty Number no. Nine. We're not here to talk about stuff like that. Mega Man Legends Three was just kind of a a big disappointment. Yeah, and there's actually a Facebook group, uh, 100,000 strong, to bring back Mega Man Legends Three. That, <laughs> that's very uh, very active in trying to get that game back into development. Believe it. So, the game was originally going to be for 3DS. It, 3DS games are still getting made, I guess. <laughs> so, honestly, I'd like to see it on the Switch and maybe even multi-platform. What do you guys think? If they were to re-release this game, what platform would you like it to be on? And is there anything else? Uh, game Boy Advance would be great. <laughs> Specific m- micro-exclusive. <laughs> I have seen some very, very... Th- you know, go onto YouTube sometime and look up uh, Game Boy Advance 3D because the Game Boy Advance actually could do 3D polygonal graphics, and it's really cool to watch. I I, I would say multi-platform. I know you know Nintendo fans, and I you know personally believe that Mega Man mostly belongs on Nintendo. We have another idea for a podcast of. Things that Nintendo should just buy. Or maybe that was a, an episode idea. I can't remember. We're, we're going to talk about it eventually. But um, Mega Man is one of those things that Nintendo should just buy. But this one, I don't know. You know, Other people are excited for Mega Man, not just Nintendo fans. And my brother, he doesn't have a Nintendo console. He gets all of his Mega Man stuff on PS4 and whatnot. So I'd like to see it multi-platform if it yeah. does come back. And I know absolutely nothing about the series, so I have no voice in this. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have a PlayStation, I think right now, as we're recording this podcast, all the games are on sale. 
So if you have a PS3 or a PS4, hmm. you can uh, get it on the PlayStation Network for cheap, like four bucks a pop. All right, go buy a PlayStation, right? Does <laughs> he not have? Uh, sorry. No. I want multi-platform just because I think that'll improve its chances of selling well, and I, I want it to sell well because that's why they never made the third one. Is it never sold sold well? But what do you think of before we move on to the next game? So Keiji Inafune in his infinite brazenness, I don't know what to call it, has yes. announced an attempt to make a spiritual successor, a la Mighty Number no. Nine. For Mega Man Legends 3, Red Ash. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yeah. And it got kickstarted, didn't it? No, the game did not get the game itself did not get kickstarted. It had like a they were gonna do like an animated short, and I think that got kickstarted. Uh, and that okay. got kickstarted mm. pretty well. But the game is still going forward because it was picked up by a producer, I forget the name, I, but it's, uh, some Chinese company. Well, we'll take your word for it, because it sounds like Ryan and I aren't into the series. Even <laughs> Mr. Mega Man here to my right is not. So is this something you'd want Inafune to try his hand at? I'm cautiously optimistic. I know Mighty Number no. 9 didn't turn out well, and the, the Kickstarter was very controversial. But even if it's not like Mega Man Legends... It's still a very interesting world and character designs and stuff. I'm curious. I understand full well that it may not be worth my time in the end, but I am interested in seeing what it looks like when it resurfaces. I would like to say here, with Keiji Inafune taking over a project, I think it could definitely be good. I think Mega Man did well and really came into its own with him Mm -hmm. in charge. But I do, I do want to say, you know, Mighty Number no. Nine. It, it was, a, it was a good game. It wasn't a great game. But if you look at, I mean, some of my favorite Mega Man games, Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, which is just a, it's just a good Mega Man game, and then uh, Mega Man X Six. Inafune was not even involved in that game, and so I've, I've kind of looked back on my idolization of Inafune because I remember when he left Capcom I, I was so angry like you know why did they do this to him and all this stuff and you know he was angry and I was angry because he was angry yeah you punched that hole in your wall uh, yeah that's when I punched that hole in the wall no uh, <laughs> I I remember just being so angry for the longest time and then after Mighty Number no. 9 came out I kind of looked back and I was like you know, Inafune did really well with Mega Man, and um, I don't think that that's a coincidence. But I also got to look back on, especially Mega Man X6, and say Inafune's involvement doesn't make a Mega Man game. If he's not involved, doesn't mean it's not going to be a good game. Mega Man X6 is my favorite. And then if you look at Mighty Number no. Nine, just because he's involved doesn't mean it's going to be a good game, a good Mega Man game. So. Yeah, well, the the thing with my number nine is that he was, and we're getting way off task, but um, was that he was only really involved with like the planning stage. He didn't actually have an active role in development, from what I understand. We'll mm. talk about it on the Kickstarter episode. Yes. Yep. Right. I'm very excited for the next Pokemon game, Red Ash. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> Speaking of Pokemon. A series that never got a, a third game is Pokemon Stadium. And I wouldn't be surprised if some people listening to this podcast never played Pokemon Stadium 1 or 2. They're both for the Objection! Sorry, Phoenix Wright Impulse. You think everybody Actually, played it? Actually, Pokemon Stadium did get a third game. Coliseum what? is not a stadium game. No. Pokemon Stadium 2 here in the United States is Pokemon Stadium 2. In Japan, it's Pokemon Stadium 3. Really? Say that again. It's two here and three in Japan? Yeah, they pulled a Final Fantasy. No way. What? Okay, so they had one... Yeah, the one... first Pokemon Stadium was kind of lame. It had 47 Pokemon, I believe. And then they released Pokemon Stadium 2 shortly thereafter. And that's the one they released here in the States. And they just called it Pokemon Stadium. So Pokemon oh. Stadium 2 here in the States is actually Pokemon Stadium 3 in Japan. Okay, I 
I understand the timeline, but I don't understand the logic behind this because, okay, first of all, this is all within the same console generation in 64, right? Hey. Um, also, Stadium 1 is Gen 1, Stadium 2 includes Gen 2. Well, Stadium 2 US, I should say, includes Gen 2. Mm-hmm. Stadium 2 Japan, what is special about that game? That's the Gen 2 it one. It had all of the Pokemon. Okay, I, I already said this, but Stadium 1 had like 46 or 47 Pokemon. Japan Stadium 1. Okay, yeah, Japan so, Stadium 1. But that was on the N64 as well? Yeah. Yes, and then Stadium 2 in Japan, Japanese Stadium 2. Oh gosh, it's like talking about Final Fantasy games. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, I think I get this. So... The very first Pokemon Stadium is basically a demo. It didn't yeah, have pretty all much. the Pokemon. You pretty much, yeah. Like and that's why Crossing. they never ported it, or never localized it. Okay, how we didn't get the first Animal Crossing, kind of like that. And Custom Robo. Um, technically, yeah. we, we did get the first Animal Crossing. That's Or we got an enhanced version of the first Animal Crossing, because that's what the yeah. uh, GameCube one is. It's an enhanced version of... It's like Animal, Animal Crossing, Crossing Plus, Plus yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, uh, <laughs> fun fact: because that's actually an N sixty four game. You can pop the disc in, run it, and then pop the disc out, and it the entire game exists in RAM. What kind of N sixty four? I can put a disc, a disc in my N sixty four. N sixty four. No, 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 no. The, the GameCube game. Oh, okay. Because oh. it's run. It's basically just an N sixty four game, and the uh, GameCube has that much more RAM. Oh wow! It, that's insane. The entire game exists in RAM. Holy smokes. Huh. And Mr. Resetti won't yell at you for doing that, huh? How dare you take the disc out? Anyway, <laughs> so in the U.S., Pokemon Stadium never got a third game. That is all. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> we we should, though. I, honestly, by, by now, I think that this would be a good way of reintroducing old fans because... Us old guys, we ain't got that time to run around catching all these Pokemon. I want to see the different strategies in in action yeah. on a console where I don't have to make all of the move decisions. and. Right. What I think they need stuff. to do at this point is just make a separate stadium mode within the Switch Pokemon yeah. game. Because it would be kind of dumb to make a stadium game when they're already going to have a full-fledged Pokemon game on a console. I like that. I like that as well. World's problems solved. It's definitely an easy series to continue. You just add more Pokemon with each generation. Mm -hmm. So whether it's uh, an eShop game or a mode, like Ryan said, I think that would be cool. Downloadable DLC is probably their best bet for it. But well, that that would be an interesting like um, uh, free to start game. Oh yeah, true. Hmm. That could get very expensive if it was free to start though. Ooh ooh. You make it into a mobile game, and then you connect it to uh, Pokemon Go. Yeah. DNA could make it their next gotcha game in the lo- line of like Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh, no. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for that tidbit of info from Japan, Glenn. <laughs> Take it away, sir. Battalion Wars is another series that only got two entries, and I actually, I remember, what what is her name, like, Laura Kate Dale or something? Someone who did a bunch of Nintendo leaks back during the Wii U era actually wrote an article talking about how it would have been perfect for the Wii U, and I, I agree, it would have been, uh, Battalion Wars 3 would have been a great fit for the Wii U because of the touchscreen, would have made it really easy to manage units. But we only got two games, we got the first one on the GameCube, we got one on the Wii, and the one on the Wii doesn't really have a cliffhanger ending per se, but it certainly leaves a lot of room for a continuation. Has anyone else other than me played the Battalion War series? Should we? Uh, yeah. If if you like Pikmin, it's kind of like Pikmin, but more focused on the combat side. Because you, the way Battalion Wars works is you're actually taking command of one of the units directly. So you have these weird shooter controls, but then you also can order your other assault units around. Okay. Hmm. And does this developer have anything in relation to Fire Emblem or Advance Wars? Or is that a separate team? 
and that might be one of the reasons why I never got a uh, sequel is that it's actually handled by Kuju Entertainment. It is not handled by Intelligent Systems, who did Advance Wars. Okay. It was originally going to be branded as an Advance Wars game, but... Okay. Yeah. And I've written an article already on Battalion Wars, but... Yeah, I want to see Battalion Wars 3. I remember when the Wii U was like first coming out, there was a... I want to say there was a game called like Tank, Tank, Tank. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and I remember I I got that got my hopes up, and it's like, oh my gosh, is uh, that Battalion Wars three? And then it's like, oh no, that's some third party <laughs> crap. Piece um, of junk. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Glenn. Yeah, the the games just have so much personality. Yeah. You know, even I don't if hear the name Kuju ever, are they still making anything? Yeah, they're actually from uh, what I can remember, they're pretty. They, they tend to take a background role, which is why I don't think you hear about them a ton, but okay. I want to say they were involved in a lot of games and some pretty recent Critical Dart. Well, I don't keep up with uh, PC gaming that much just because I don't have the money for a good PC. So <laughs> when I say recent, I'm talking about like 2011 onward. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were involved in uh, Mark of the Ninja oh, okay. in some capacity. Oh, so you, you know that one? Oh, yeah. Great stealth game. Can't really go on a tangent about that. Also not remotely family-friendly. Uh, moving on to another not family-friendly game. I know. Yeah, the other M game here is No More Heroes, which we have... The other M game? Oh, the please. other M game! <laughs> We've never gotten a No More Heroes 3, and we probably never will. This developer capitalized on Wii's success, created Red Steel... That was a launch-ish game? Red Steel was a launch game. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was brave of them because it was this new thing, but it seemed like Wii was going to be really popular. And so they got in there with a lightsaber-ish game, basically. It's called a beam katana, but they capitalized on that, whereas the Star Wars team never really did in a significant way. Mm -hmm. I remember there were, there were a couple attempts I saw at E3, but it never reached the mainstream like No More Heroes did. So they even had enough money to make a sequel and then we didn't hear from the developer for a long time until Switch era. Now it's coming back with Travis Strikes Again, colon, No More Heroes. And it's like, it's an indie studio now. Yeah, well, No More Heroes was always done by, I want to say it's Grasshopper, and that's Suda51. Right. Mm. But isn't that interesting that they made two retail No More Hero games? Now this one is probably going to be downloaded only mm -hmm. and it's it's a much different style wait i am so confused now so the no more heroes game that we saw in the recent direct yes that is the same one that we saw the cinematic trailer for yeah are you serious That's i thought it. that this was like a, a warm-up game or like a spin-off game to warm us up to the full sequel no this is it it's like indie oh through and gosh. through celebrating indie culture travis is going to travel into indie games Looks fun. Especially we could just break a Joy-Con off and go swing laser swords everywhere together. You can't you can't pop it out the natural way. You have to break it off of the system. That's part of the game. You just have to rip it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And No More Heroes has kind of a cousin, wouldn't you say, Glenn? The Red Steel series. So I'm going to confess, I never actually played the original Red Steel. I did. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I, I heard. I I I played all of like maybe ten minutes of it. One of my friends had it. The original? Uh, yeah, the original. And it was funny, but it wasn't good. <laughs> it was only good for showing that it's like, oh, yep, the Wii remote can totally be used as a gun. It's it was it was very not fluid at all. But, I mean, it was the proof of concept, like, oh, yep, they could make a good shooter out of this, but this isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, Red Steel 2, on the other hand, I've played, I think I want to say, say I've played it from beginning to end three times oh, now. Wow. And uh, it is a, a great game. It's definitely was made kind of on a budget, and that aspect is frustrating because it really feels like it... It's uh, one of those things that if they had more time and resources, it could have been that much better. But it, it's a uh, great showcase of the Wii Motion Plus 
and just generally an all-around awesome brawler uh, game. Yeah, it look you think it'd be a first-person shooter, but it's actually kind of more of a beat 'em up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the sound of the blog that you wrote about it. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, search on twobuttoncrew.com for Red Steel, and there will be a, a That Was a Thing article by Glenn. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, the thing is, the second Red Steel game is very different from the first one. The first one is just generic, girlfriends kidnapped by Yakuza, go shoot them. Red Steel 2, the story isn't much more complicated, but... It's really the setting that's interesting. It's this kind of post-apocalyptic dystopian uh, Nevada or something. And so, I don't know. I kind of remember seeing the posters where the guy has the trench coat and the cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I would liken it kind of to the DC animated universe in that, you know, it's kind of modern day, but kind of futuristic. You know, there are robots and stuff. It exists uh, in uh, Zack Snyder land. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking more like the the Timverse or the oh uh, yeah, you know the the actually good <laughs> DC <laughs> stuff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Burtonverse. Um, yeah, I think that's another name for it. It has a ton of names. You know, the one where Batman the animated series and uh, the Justice League cartoon is. Oh, that. okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Superman Returns, starring Nicolas Cage. that movie exists in in uh the my heart (laughs) (laughs) anything else on red steel 3 glenn the thing that i'm conflicted about is if they did make a red steel 3 i think it would have to be for the switch because of the motion controls i really don't know what they would do with the setting because the setting changed big time to where it's kind of an in-name only sequel that's a very interesting mental exercise for me because it's like, would they keep the, the I think it's technically known as cattle punk. Would they keep the cattle punk setting or would they move on to a different one? What was that period in like the 19th century Japan where they started adopting Western cult, uh, culture and military and stuff like the Meiji Restoration or something? Well, that, that period in time I think would make for a really interesting uh, period to have like a, a sword swinging uh, first-person shooter game. Sort of Last Samurai sort of feel. Yeah, you know, you'd have firearms, primitive ones, uh, but you'd, you'd also uh, give you an excuse to have a katana, and I, I think that would be a really uh, interesting setting. Or go cattle punk again, because, you know, that, that, cool. that works so well <laughs> the first time. <laughs> so next we have something that a franchise that's just kind of been... Whipping around back and forth in some sort of weird limbo. Banjo Kazooie. And Ryan, are, are you one to, uh, who's played the first two games and or Nuts and Bolts? Yes. Uh, Banjo Kazooie is better than Super Mario 64, so let me throw, oh, let me lay that out right. I'm one of those people. Well, it's but. been a very nice podcast <laughs> with you, Ryan. You're entitled to your opinion. anyhow yes i've i've beaten banjo kazooie and banjo kazooie uh or banjo tooie rather i've played banjo kazooie nuts and bolts and it is not banjo 3 by any sort of the imagination it's basically what the the lego racing game was for nintendo 64 (laughs) where you kind of build your own car and then use that to race around Ouch. With some platforming elements built in, and then Ralph. I know there's it. also been a Banjo Kazooie Game Boy Advance game as well, but that was more of a spinoff than an actual sequel. We've never gotten a true Banjo Three, and I doubt we ever will because Microsoft seems like they want to kill that series now that they owned Rare. So yeah. So what made these so good? I never tried them. So Microsoft EA Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, they, they decided to take a risk with nuts and bolts that didn't pay off, and that unfortunately probably killed the series. But uh, the good thing about Banjo-Kazooie, Mario is really, really great, but basically when you start the game, you have the moveset that's going to carry you through the entire game. Okay. Where Banjo-Kazooie, the main difference is you slowly build up an arsenal of different moves, and you have a very insane amount of things that you can do by the end of the game 
Okay, so it has that sort of a Zelda-like progression in a sense. Right, right. Well, up until Zelda completely ditched the progression and went for... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I do like that game. I want to make it clear. I do like Breath of the Wild. I just... <laughs> I don't want more of it. Glenn, I have a, a blog coming up that will hopefully help you navigate these rough waters... I don't want to spoil it for you, but it has to do with Plan Nine from Outer Space. If you if you're familiar with, I've, that I've heard the name. Yes. Okay. Actually, this this does relate to video games loosely. But I my uh, professor in my video game development class uh, actually showed a clip from that uh, talking about like <laughs> continuity and consistency and stuff, and how you kind of want that in any work of fiction. <laughs> Yes, and that movie has none of it. Anyway, back to Banjo 3. Okay, so I have a question about Banjo 3. Ukulele, did you play that, and what did you think of it? I've played a little bit. I think I played like two and a half or three hours of it, and it's fun, but you can definitely tell it just doesn't have the polish of the original games. Mm. It's definitely like the indie game side of it shines through not that that's a knock against it just i had it hyped up in my heart for so long that when i finally jumped into it it's it's not the same that's so sad basically don't don't let the hype get out of control and temper your expectations Mm -hmm. so kind of what happened if you you go into it wanting the banjo kazooie experience if, if you just want another one of those games and it's an indie game like that doesn't bother you then yeah jump right in by all means it's 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 not a bad game at all like i'm going to revisit it but i, I just need some time to let it kind of settle it didn't help that it came out right after super mario odyssey either no not because at all. i, at I just Switch. got off of that and then started playing it and then it's yeah i need some time to like distance myself from mario odyssey and then jump back in and i'm sure i'll love it and are you talking about the switch version of ukulele yes okay i i I kick-started it and i waited for the switch version nice i heard that one was the best like they launched Mm -hmm. it with a lot of the fixes and tweaks that they had been working on and going to implement in the other versions as well but interesting Mm -hmm. that's too bad It it seems like if you have a super successful kickstarter you should be able to handle making a good Nintendo 64-like game without having those issues that you mentioned, so that's sad to me. hmm Yeah. Who played Beautiful Joe? Okay, so I actually have just recently, here in the like last month, picked up the first Beautiful Joe. I haven't played the second one at all, except for like a demo one time. But, yeah, I, I have just got, 15 years after it came out or whatever, gotten into the Beautiful Joe series, and I'm quite enjoying it i may be extremely ignorant but i don't think i knew that there was a sequel yeah yeah it doesn't seem to be talked about a whole lot but there is a beautiful joe 2 for the gamecube the original is on the gamecube as well correct yes and if i can just talk about beautiful joe here for a moment i'm debating whether or not i want to write anything about it it's strange playing a game that came out in like the early to yeah i'm gonna say early uh 2000s for the first time because game design has changed since then and it's kind of weird to play a game that's from that era that's also kind of a throwback to the, like the super nintendo you know it's a side scroller hmm. and it's kind of high concept and it's also one of those games where a lot of times nowadays in games you have where it's like oh you know you dodge and then you do this thing and that can launch an opponent and they like make it very clear that's there are certain times to use this technique and certain times not to beautiful joe doesn't really do that it just says here's a bunch of stuff you can do figure it out (laughs) is it platinum like uh no the platinum was founded by the refugees from the company that made beautiful joe and that was clover studios yeah the team that made okami as well which uh, we'll get to in here in a sec Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense to me because they make pretty dense games and don't really mind just throwing you into the action, like yeah. Wonderful 101 and Bayonetta. Yep. It looks like it's in the same style of Wonderful 101, too. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Beautiful Joe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, the uh, the guy who voices the main character, Joe, is the same guy who voices uh, Appa and Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender and Perry the Platypus. 
Wait, Perry the platypus from just the, the weird yeah the noises. Yeah, 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 whatever that is. <laughs> they hired a whole separate famous person for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dee Bradley Baker voiced Joe, and it's so weird because it's like I know that voice, and then I look it up online, and it's like I know that voice, but I'd never heard him voice a human character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I recognize it. I have no clue. That's great. Who knows if they like hired him for Phineas and Ferb, they could have just held an iPhone up to him in an elevator or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do this once and we'll be set. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the next one is this, the third game that has been released, but never outside of Japan. Mother 3. And why it hasn't come to the United States yet, I am completely baffled on because people have wanted this for the longest time. I don't know anything about Mother 3 besides the fact that Lucas is in it because I've distanced myself from it in hopes that we will get it. Because uh, you do play the series, right? Yep. I We finally got the first game in the series two years ago, maybe three. Right. I can't I remember. Say it was about three. Okay. Because the whole series was like ignored by Nintendo while fans were clamoring for it for many, many, many years. Then yeah. it finally well, here, started. Here in the West, here in the West, it's very uh-huh. popular yep. in Japan. Um, yeah. And then it's like the floodgates were starting to open with the Wii U Virtual Console thing happening, and it's mm-hmm. on the SNES Classic. So that happened, did... and then the next few E3s, people are like, "They did that. They're gonna have Mother Three. Okay, exactly. no, next next year they're gonna have Mother Three. And it's just like, and even Rez- Reggie himself has teased it multiple times, <laughs> but it just doesn't happen. What do you think is up with that? I, I think part of the issue is figuring out how do you localize it because Mother One and Two or Earthbound uh, Beginnings and Earthbound. The thing is, those games were already localized, so re-releasing Earthbound was pretty easy because you just. I, I think they may. I from what I understand, they did some things to like reduce seizure possibilities because we've become a little bit more cognizant of that in our game design. But that was like an emulator level thing. But other than that, the game's mostly unchanged. It's the same localization and all of that, same dialogue. With the Mother 1, uh, Earthbound Beginnings, <coughs> this is confusing. Uh, it's Final Fantasy all over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should we talk about Final Fantasy 3 not getting brought over here until like 2000? No, no, whatever. <laughs> anyway. <Nope. laughs> but with uh, Earthbound Beginnings, the localization was already completed and it was just shelved, sort of like what happened with Star Fox 2. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mother 3, you'd have to do a completely new localization. And that raises a lot of questions like, who was the primary demographic when this game was originally made? And do you cater to them? Or do you cater to the 20 and 30-somethings that are actually actually want this game? Hmm. And so... I think at this point, it doesn't matter. People would buy it like crazy. <laughs> When they teased it in that that E three claymation video, where the guy goes, "Where's Mother 3? and then Reggie throws a fireball. Yes. At <laughs> I have to wonder if that was Nintendo, because those were made by the robot chicken. Robot team, chicken right? guys. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, the, I mean, to... Nintendo obviously has to approve of all this before it goes into their E three. Right. Maybe maybe Reggie just saw him like saw himself using a fire flower, and it's like, yeah, that's going to <laughs> yeah. <happen."> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Japanese overlords are like no 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 he's like no nope, I'm using a fire <laughs> yeah, <style."> yeah. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion is another series that's near and dear to my heart because the first game is really good on GameCube and I think they improved on almost everything in the 3DS sequel I don't I don't believe they kept the numbering right it's just Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon right. correct yeah because it had been so long so it's kind of cool to see that series come back out of nowhere and I guess it's still around because they're porting Luigi's Mansion to 3DS as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's fine. I mean, I would rather, if the 3DS has to live for the rest of this year and into 2019, I think getting ports and remakes is the way to go because that does not offend me. <laughs> as a Honestly, Switch owner. if we can get sidetracked here for a second, I'm really surprised that it's taking them until now to release the original for the 3DS. Mm. Because they yeah. have admitted to using the original game as a test testing software for the 3D function. True. 
even because uh, the original too. game was designed with 3D in mind. That's why everything has kind of a diorama appearance. They were going to release an accessory down the road, but then they realized that the accessory would have to make things 3D on screen would have cost more than the GameCube itself, and well. <laughs> Yeah, we know no, how that goes for Nintendo. For yes. The add-ons. Yep. So, I, I don't know if it's the smartest way, like the best next step for this series, though, because the GameCube game is much smaller and shorter. So, for the and 3DS better. fans that liked Dark Moon, uh, I don't know if it would necessarily be a step forward for them. I'd like to see that studio's talent. Dedicated to making a new one for Switch or an arcade yeah. machine or something like that. Oh wait, that well, hopefully happened. this one sells well because if this one does really well and it drums up interest in the series again, that's a yeah very yeah, high I, chance. I would love to see Luigi's Mansion three for the Switch. Personally, I would prefer it follow the the formula of the first game because the mission based structure of the second game. I just did not care for that. I understand yeah. that they did it because it was portable, but yeah. You know, Luigi's Mansion is very interesting as an adventure game because it's sort of this kind of Zelda-like game, but it's in a very constrained environment. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a whole lot like that out there. With a constrained character also. Yes. Yeah. Not as not as powerful. Mm-hmm. So I, I would much prefer the, the sort of more continuous experience instead of the discrete level-based approach if they did the third game. What do you all think? I think they should have a little bit of each, since Switch is hybrid. Maybe there could be a mode with missions, something yeah, like mission mode, uh, a daily challenge or something like that. Sort of like the uh, the tower thing that they had. Yeah, and then the the main game could be more traditional. I I think that actually sounds like a really nice balance, or mm-hmm. you know maybe a time trial. Because the thing is, the original Luigi's Mansion, you can kind of break it up into mission segments if you want to because the story just does sort of follow that so you could theoretically make a mission mode or a time trial mode and just take uh missions from the main story and cut them up anything else to say about luigi's mansion we want to see it for the switch we want to we want it to be more in line with the gameplay of the first game and not mission based I think you um, could actually try motion controls again. Flashlight in one hand, vacuum in the other hand. Huh? I think. Maybe. Nintendo seems keen on adding motion controls and standard controls to most of their games, so I could see it happening. Yeah, it might have to be in a, a different mode, though. It might have to be an on-rails, kind of arcade hmm. game. Yep. Cause... I played the arcade game, and it's actually a lot of fun. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, if I recall, Dark Moon had like at least one shooting segment uh, that was the most oh. aggravating boss in the entire game. So you could, you know, just have segments where it goes into first person for brief periods and kind of emulates the arcade game. Yeah, it's gonna be like uh, Metroid Other M, where you go between first and third. Oh, person. Don't, don't. <laughs> Luigi's Metroid Mansion, uh, Other L. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Other M has many great features and that was not one of them. You can only play Luigi's Mansion with the Joy-Con sideways. One Joy-Con, that's all you get. And you have to you have to throw it between hands to use the flashlight or the vacuum. You can't do both yes. at the same time. Oh my goodness. Ryan, tell me a story about sports. So Mario Baseball and Mario Strikers actually have only had two games each in the series. And both have been fantastic games. We've had one for the GameCube and one for the Wii each. And then after that, we haven't seen anything from them since. This is a crime. It is a crime because some Mario Sports games just are very lackluster but both of these had so much to them especially mario baseball for the gamecube it had so many fun mini games that we had a blast with they eliminated a lot of those for the wii release unfortunately but just both of those sports titles were so great and so polished and the online and strikers for the wii actually worked extremely well and was a lot of fun and then for some reason those just fell off the deep end and nintendo only cares about mario golf and mario tennis so <laughs> I, I would like to point out that there was baseball in um, sports megamix. Does not count. I was gonna say I was gonna say <laughs> Mario uh, horse racing simulator. Yeah, um, <laughs> which I played and 
it was all right, but I think like a full fledged game, yeah, definitely suits it better. The main, yeah, the problem with I never played the Mario Sports mix, but it seemed like from the reviews, it just said that all the sports are so bare bones that none of them are actually stand out or any good. Yeah, that and, is correct. And the horse game that was getting the attention at the time, it cornered the horse racing video game market. <laughs> was that Game Freak title? They, the Pokemon developers made a horse horse card game. Oh, Pocket Card Derby. Yep. Yeah, Nintendo actually has a very interesting uh, history with horse racing games because their first game was a horse racing game. Really? Huh. Yeah, EVR uh, race. Unfortunately, it's one of the, you know, going back to our game preservation topic, it's one of those games that's been lost to time. So we don't that is actually depressing. have a working version of it. Yeah, Glenn, you recommended that we create an episode on what is EVR race. So I read mm-hmm. that in Slack and I was like, yeah, what is EVR race? <laughs> yeah, I want to know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the video game that invented the full motion cutscene. Well. Cool. So, oh, oh no. <laughs> so I, be, I guess basically from the takeaway from these uh, sports titles we haven't gotten uh, three equal to is I hope Mario Tennis uh, Aces does really well so we can get more great Mario sports titles. Because yes. personally, I don't care about tennis too much, but these other ones I really want to see make a return. And Strikers, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's uh, that was done by Next Level as well, correct? I believe so. Yeah, believe so, so. Uh, the people who are doing the Luigi's Mansion port, I think, uh, that that's kind of the start of Nintendo's relationship with them. They also did Punch-Out. I so, think Camelot usually handles the handheld sports games. Um, no, they do the golf games. I don't know about if they're like explicitly handheld, but they're the ones who do the golf. Yep. I wouldn't mind at all if they brought back the RPG mechanics from the Game Boy Advance games either, because that one I know for the story mode you leveled up your own character and they improved over time, and it was yeah it added cool RPG elements to the sports titles, which really like widened the the amount of people that got interested in the game. Yeah, the I demographics, like that a lot. and they would probably do an Aces like thing where you can play mm-hmm. simple mode without it. Yep. Simeon. As Glenn mentioned with Clover Studios, um, which is no more, and now it's something else. Okami has had an interesting development cycle. Uh, First came to the PS2, I can't remember when it was, it was 2000 something, like I I can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, Ah yes, Uh, 2000XX. It's been released so many times, nobody knows. (laughs) Was released on the Wii, the Wii version was released I think within a year of the Wii's release, it was, mm-hmm. and, and it does show in the game. I, I love the Wii version, but it definitely shows the the controls that they added, the motion controls. They're not terrible. They're hard to get used to, and they could have been better. So we have PS2 Okami, Wii Okami. We have Okami Den, which is, I mean, I guess you could say that's a sequel. Pretty much. I think it <clears> technically the time is traveling. a sequel. It's not a spinoff. Yeah, it's, it's not a spinoff. The, the way that Okami works, I guess it is, yeah, it, it's a sequel, but there's time travel stuff involved, and that's mm. all weird, and reincarnation and all that. Anyway. DS game. Um, yeah, it's a D, the DS game, and that worked really well. And then we have Okami HD on the PS3, and now we have... Okami HD on the Switch, which I'm really glad. I, I think that this yeah, is the perfect I, I time. I might actually finally get around to playing it this time. Oh, yeah. please, please <laughs> do. I, I think, I, I really hope that you're going to like it. Simeon's going to buy it for um, us. It's awesome. I, yes. I hear it's really long, though. It's I, I've, I've heard people describe it as basically being three games in one. I, I would say it's two games in one. It has, like, a goal that you're, like, headed toward. And then you accomplish that goal, and you're like, oh, the game's over. And then you're like, oh, wait, no. And then there's, like, you know, a whole bunch more. Yeah, Superstar Saga, the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga kind of does that as well. Mm. I I think it's a, a really a really good thing, though. It's It wasn't one of those things where I'm like, 
oh, I worked so hard for this and now you're not gonna, no, I was like excited like, oh, this is really cool. I got get to kind of see the aftermath of what I've done here. Mm-hmm. Plus there's a new goal to head toward. It's, it's really exciting. A third Okami game, I definitely could see is happening. It might almost be more interesting as a prequel, even though you know what's gonna happen in the story at that point. I see that that as the most likely solution, but an Okami sequel would be really cool. And and for those of you guys who are wondering like, okay, prequel, why is that? You'd have to have played the game. Now, Scott, you have not played the game. I will. Glenn, you have not played the game. Ryan, have you played it? No. Oh, you guys. Sorry. It's weird what? how many of our examples only have one person to vouch for him. Oh, but guys, this this is... And this is uh, why they don't have three games. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No, if you guys like Legend of Zelda at all, it's not exactly like Legend of Zelda, but it's very reminiscent yeah. of um, certain Legend of Zelda characteristics. It's a fresh spin on it. You guys would love this game, and especially with the Switch version and HD version with better controls than the Wii version... I, I don't know. You guys you guys have to jump on it on the Switch. This is the perfect time to play this game. And I'm done with my commercial. Okay. Wasn't the original Okami for the Wii sponsored by IGN? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's an interesting story. So when the Wii version was released, the developers are like, oh, we need cover art for the Wii version. Let's do a Google image search of our own game pick the first image that pops up and slap it on our game coverage. And you can see, and I have this, I have the case. You can see on the art that they use, the little IGN watermark. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that you just gotta like shake your head at and be like, what were they thinking? Like they didn't have their own promotional art that they could use. Like they were that down to the wire to where they yeah. were. Google image searching their own game. It must have been the epitome of crunch time. Just like 5 a.m. sleep deprived developers. That graphic artist got fired. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that reminds me of um, a similar thing happened in the Metroid Prime official Nintendo Power Players Guide. In that if uh, they have like a, you know, the series up to this point thing. Mm -hmm. And so they have the box art and all that. And so the box art for Super Metroid has the watermark in one corner for a fan site, the Metroid Database. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is awesome. And I was spacing out, so I'm looking forward to hearing that fun fact when I listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, So we have a few other side notes here. We can't spend long talking about non Nintendo games because we'll get fired by ourselves but <laughs> valve has not made half-life 3 portal 3 and team fortress 3 yeah, so and, well, and 3. for half-life 3 i want to make point out that that one's extra weird because they did half-life 2 and then they did uh two supplementary episodes so you basically have half-life 2 half-life 2.1 and half-life mm-hmm. 2.2 when they were supposed <laughs> to do a 2.3 that never happened no way. oh my goodness <laughs> Um, say it again, Ryan. I said, oh, and Left 4 Dead 3 is also yeah. Valve, oh, another wow. three that they didn't oh. make. So Simeon has a suggestion. Yes, um, that they need to bundle all these games into one and just call it three. <laughs> three. Valve 3. <laughs> Valve 3, yes. <laughs> and then Shenmue. So it'd be like a... the, the orange box, too. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, we never no. get a third orange box. <laughs> um, Don't say it. Shenmue, Shenmue was a thing that wasn't a thing until Kickstarter and then speaking of other ones that took a long time Nintendo never made Kid Icarus 3 for many many generations that was really strange and then yeah, by the end of it it was more like a reboot well no actually it was a sequel it was still in the same uh, continuity mm-hmm. yeah. wasn't it? yeah it was yep. pretty much and then Pikmin skipped also Nintendo's most popular generation mm-hmm. very strange and then I thought it was interesting that there were some series that bucked the numbering convention where Metroid was on NES. They made Metroid 2 for Game Boy, and then we never really got a Metroid 3, so to speak. Same with Legend of Zelda, both entries on the NES. Then they started using subtitles without the numbering. 
Yeah. And Star Fox, which had a game and then it kind of had a sequel <laughs> and then they stopped using numbers as well. So Well, no, you. they they went straight to 64, so they still <laughs> were using numbers. It didn't have a 4, a 5, a 6. <laughs> <laughs> Did it have an 8 though, right? Let me check. <laughs> nope. I just checked my watch and there was no Star Fox. <laughs> and bummer. So I think we've made the most awesome list of examples, but we need to answer the question, why does this happen? And I've been trying to think of that through the episode. The best I can come up with is developers started making a lot more remakes and ports. Like that's what's happening with Okami and Luigi's Mansion and stuff. And that didn't really happen on the Super Nintendo era or the GameCube era as much. Like. Super Mario All-Stars is the standout exception, but they were just making new games. So you think that could have anything to do with this? I don't think so, because a lot of our examples are much older than that. What I think it is, is I think part of it is just actually human psychology, and I think part of it is just the way that the game industry works. In terms of human psychology, we like the number three. And, you know, when you tell a joke... You give two examples of something happening, and then the third one is subverting the trend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that makes sense because you need two examples to establish a trend in someone's mind. And then, so Mm -hmm. three is really the first one you can uh, have that actually can be a punchline. You can go further. Blonde jokes. (laughs) All right, 17 guys walk into a bar. (laughs) (laughs) But... Um, All right, 64 Star Foxes (laughs) fly into space. The other thing is that I think there's a little bit of a bias. We like trilogies. And so if we get three games, even if the third one has a cliffhanger or whatever, we say, well, it was a trilogy. If we get one game and nothing happens, well, you know, that's that's a bummer, but we don't talk about it. We we don't see it as Mm. like this weird, oh, they were going somewhere, but... It, it didn't happen, you know, it's just like, oh, it was just one game and nothing ever came of it. But if you have two games, then, you know, it's established as a series and we were kind of expecting that third one. And oftentimes, it, you know, you can see this with like the the original trilogy in Star Wars, where, you know, the first one's kind of just thrown out there and it's a standalone thing. But when the second one comes out, they set up for a sequel. Right. Because it's already established and it's like, okay, we already got one sequel, we might as well try to get another one and that's why i think a lot of times the second game has a cliffhanger but i i think it really is just sort of this notion of well if you do two then you're going to do a third one right and i you know i think that's just how we perceive those those numbers for whatever reason but then they don't make the third one yeah and then they don't Mm -hmm. make the third one and sometimes you know there's never really any grounds to say that they were going to in the first place they just Mm. made two games but we always want yeah. to have at least three of something. I think the other thing is that there's an old saying that the... This is what's really strange to me, is there's an old saying that the last sequel made is the first one to lose money. And that's not entirely true, because you can have a game that doesn't sell particularly well, but it still gets a sequel in the games industry. It's uh, you, you always get like a second chance. So... I think that's really the more interesting question here. Like, Mega Man Legends 1 didn't sell particularly well, got a sequel. Uh, Battalion Wars 1 didn't sell particularly well, got a sequel. And it's like, well, if the first game didn't sell well, why would they be willing to take a, a risk on the second game? Yeah. It, yeah, it's... I do think it's kind of weird. I think one of the things, and we, we touched on this at the beginning, is, you know, they make a game and it works the reason why they can make a sequel so easily is because it's not like movies where you have to reinvent the story whereas we want more of the same gameplay just better so they do that a second time and then they're they're like okay we could do this a third time but are people but gonna it didn't catch work on? the first two times yeah it didn't work the first two times or it worked great the first two times are we just gonna do this again like and some some people do Mega Man great example same game just different level design i mean obviously there's other little changes and but i mean come on i'm i'm a Mega Man fan i'm gonna be honest it's the same game over and over and over again and i love it mm. and they got away with it i think a lot of developers don't care to try 
for the third time. They're like, okay, the first one was good. We improved upon it for the second one. Yeah. They might get yeah. bored. They might, they might change get bored, studios. Yeah. They, the consoles might get too different over the years. Yeah. I, I think what Simeon was saying, just from a technical standpoint, also holds true. Because a lot of the cost of making a game is making the code base. And so I think games are different than movies in that regard in that it costs a lot less to make a sequel in video games than it would for any other thing because you already have almost all the code. You know, you just need to throw in a few new features and some uh, fix the problems from the first game and come up with like some uh, maybe some new enemy AI and stuff. And, you know, you basically have everything you need. The engine, assuming you're working with the same console generation and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the engine probably is going to, you know, carry over. And heck, nowadays, consoles are so... They're, they're becoming more and more standardized in how they're made, so even then, your engine's probably going to carry over from one generation to the next, which then used to always be true. Like, yeah. back in the Super Nintendo days, those had to be, for optimal performance, those were programmed in assembly, which is processor-specific. So... Yeah, Super Nintendo game could not be ported to the N64 directly because, you know, you, you kind of have to start over. So I think that's also a big factor in why you get you see sequels so often is that it's, it's a lot easier to do a sequel with video games than it is another medium. Now, everybody, pick your favorite one, the one you want the most, and put Batman it... Batman Legends 3. On the record. <laughs> okay. Sounds good for all the aforementioned reasons, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm having a little trouble picking between Luigi's Mansion and Mario Strikers. But based on just how good both the Mario Strikers games already are, I can still play those. But I really like the concept that we came up with for Luigi's Mansion on Switch, so I'll go with that. I'm going to... I'm torn between two for two very different reasons. I love to see Okami 3 because they've just been dancing around it for so long. They keep on re-releasing the game, which means it must be doing well. Yeah. A third one would be, you know, a no-brainer. I think I am going to go with Mega Man Legends 3 as well, though, because if Mega Man Legends 3 comes out, and it does well, and Mega Man 11, I'm sure, is going to do well, mm-hmm. we're going to see more Mega Man games, and that's what I want. Mega Man Legends 3, if it comes out, I very well might give it a shot. I, I honestly didn't care too much for uh, Mega Man Legends. I, I didn't play a ton, or Mega Man 64, which, I mean, it's the same thing. Mega Man 64 is both games combined, correct? No, it's just the first game. And oh, it's, okay, it's, it's just the first it's, game. Parts of it had to be scaled down because of the uh, size restrictions of N64 cartridges, so the audio is like really compressed and stuff. Okay, but I, I'd like to see Mega Man Legends 3 because it's it's time to wake up Capcom to the fact that Mega Man is great. Now I'll have to go with Pokemon Snap 2. That's that's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the list. Sure, yeah. That's a sequel. That's, that's yeah. not a, a third game. You want them to skip but, two and just make three, Ryan? Yeah, you know what? At this point, I don't care. Okay. But, but if I have to pick something off our list, I'll, I'll go with... Uh, the Mario sports titles, strikers, mm. baseball, either one. Just I want to mm-hmm. see them bring back some of the sports titles they've been dancing around for a long time. All right, and, and Mother Three, I think they'll just release eventually. So I won't throw my vote in there because I think eventually we will get it. Nintendo mm-hmm. just likes teasing everybody. Yeah, that one's already made. Come on, Nintendo. And on behalf of Two Button Crew, I will point out that we never got a three face button controller. Those Sega Lamos were the ones <laughs> messing around with A, B, and C. We completely skipped it. So that's a little interesting piece of rivalry th- mm. that we can hold against them, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought of it like that. Se- Se- Sega added the C button, and then Nintendo's like, oh, you want to know what? How about A, B, X, Y, Z? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we didn't get Z until the N64. Yeah. Well, I know. I, yeah. And I read in Console Wars when Sega first got their hands on the Super Nintendo, and they're like, they hid buttons all over this controller. <laughs> L and R. Yeah. They hid buttons in yeah. plain sight. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We have been Two Button Crew. 
And if you'd like to check us out before our next show, we have plenty of places that you can hang out with us and enjoy Nintendo fandom. Like YouTube, where we do our live show. And the live show is just getting better and better. We are going to do more discussions and stuff that, like we used to do on the daily show. Yes. So how exciting is that? I'm stoked. More exciting than my voice sounds? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes! And uh, <laughs> 2 Button Crew has been pretty awesome on social media lately. No, no thanks to ourselves, but don't you think, guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't do that much social media. So. Exactly. It's been <laughs> awesome. I hear good things. <laughs> and lastly, if you'd like to support us on Patreon and tell us thank you for this ad-free podcast where your time is respected, you can do that at patreon.com slash two-button-crew. What? I mean, you, Somebody you, sounds salty. It's like... Well, do you like ads? <laughs> no. I think so. That's the way you said that. Where your time is respected. <laughs> yes. We are only supported through Patreon, so that's where you can find us and get exclusive content. Vote on upcoming games that we're going to play. Ask us uh, private Q&As. That's what you say, right? Ask us Q&As. Ask us Qs so we can A. Them. <laughs> for you that's where you can do it guys (laughs) well thanks for the good time i'm looking forward to some of our upcoming podcasts we have plenty planned out as well as one that simeon's been wanting to do for a while the art of video game trailers that's going to go awesomely with e3 which is only a few episodes away that sounds soon until you realize that we're a monthly podcast so (laughs) it is it's sneaking up us sneaking up us on us though yeah, right. sneaking up us on us, up in it. <laughs> I'm really good at this outro <laughs> business. Thank you, Simeon. Yeah, well, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Simeon. <laughs> what? what is Thank you, Scott. <laughs> thank you, Glenn. What if we just thank ignored you, Glenn? What if we just did not thank Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> just make it really awkward at the end I'm a programmer I'm used to, to, to having thankless jobs you're oh. a frawberry what I'm a programmer <laughs> oh. have, have you ever noticed that when people in like video game journalism discuss programmers it's it's never uh, it, it's almost never a phrase unless it's something just really impressive it's always who's the idiot that programmed this game yeah, and then when something goes right it's like this game is wonderfully designed <laughs> yes <laughs> and yeah and those lazy programmers yeah they had nothing to do with it <laughs> uh, no but really thank you Glenn because we have somewhat job titles but I think you have snuck yourself into podcasting extraordinaire so yes. well done sir yep well it, it you know the podcast wouldn't be a thing if you didn't edit it so thank you for uh, editing it and letting me be a part of it you're welcome I'm not going to edit it anymore uh um uh um <laughs> um uh, uh, uh. What, what this, th- that was all of Simeon's ums throughout the entire podcast. Just edited in there. We didn't just do that. Well, we gotta sign off because Simeon's having a stroke. But it's been really fun. Thank you guys. See you next episode. Bye. See ya. Bye.